The title of the message this morning is God's Home Design. This message was actually a requested message, and it was requested for this evening at McGackisville, so you can pray for me as we go there this evening. But that's what brought this message about. Um, the text they gave me was Colossians 3. We're not going to start there. Um, but as we go through this message, it reflects that chapter. I'll say it like that. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. This morning I'd like to compare our homes to a house. And unless the Lord build the house, we're wasting our time. So I'm going to start by drawing a foundation. I'm going to do a good bit of drawing this morning and hopefully it kind of helps seal it in our, in our minds. not a very good three-dimensional artist. In fact, I'm not a very good artist, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, as we think of building a home, God's home design, I'll talk to you young people a little bit this morning. You're laying a foundation for your future home. If God grants you that, a home, you're laying your foundation for that home now. As you grow and mature in Christ, the foundation for what your home will be like is being be determined by the person you're becoming. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10. I want to read verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 and 11. Find out what this foundation is. <clears throat> Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man buildeth, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not the foundation that your life is built on, then you don't have a foundation. And you see that in people that don't have an understanding of Jesus, don't have Christ in their lives. They don't have a foundation. The more you rub shoulders with people that are not Christians, the more you realize their life has no, there's nothing firm there. There's nothing solid, nothing, <clears throat> nothing that they can hold on to. And parents, are we doing our part to set our children on that foundation, to root their lives, root and ground their lives to the foundation of Jesus. Can we call ourselves wise master builders like Paul did in that passage we just read? Are we being intentional in the building process? A house, a home, a house takes a long time to build. It's a lot that goes into it. And we are building into our children what their home is going to look like eventually. Are we being intentional in that? 
Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Are we being intentional in building into our children's lives the truths of God's word? There are many ways that we can be intentional in teaching our children. You can have family devotions. You can teach them Bible memory. Um, read them Bible stories. There's a lot of ways that we can, from little up, be ingraining the scripture into their minds, into their, who they are. But the number one most important way that we can teach our children is to constantly take them back to Scripture. It must be the guide by which we train them and by which we teach them to live. And remember, we're talking about building the foundation of their future home. This starts at a very young age. And I may say some things that you don't agree with this morning. That's okay. But teaching Scripture is done through action as much as by what we say. If we do not live and practice what God has told us about child training, what he showed us in Scripture, if we don't live that out and practice it, we'll not be able to teach them the truth of God's Word when they grow older. We have to start at a very young age. And I want to, I want to give an example of that. God's Word teaches obedience. It teaches submission. It teaches self-control. They should all, all three of those should be taught, should be being taught to a child long before they can ever talk. Long before they can ever reason. Those things should be, we should be working on those things in their lives. In their, they may be little, but they can learn. They learn. We don't need to start need to wait to start child training until they're old enough to rationalize. Your child's character is up to you to mold and to shape long before they come under the influence of a Sunday school teacher or a school teacher. It's in our hands as, as parents. And as they get older and start to think through things, three years old, there's a lot of three-year-olds that are astounding in what they think about. I'm just using that as an example. But sometimes they'll ask parents things that make the parents go. I don't know if you've ever had to try to explain why the sky is blue or not, but I couldn't do it. Children will ask you some hard questions, but before that, they need to know how to obey. Long before they ask those questions, they need to know how to obey. They need to know that obey, obeying is not an option, actually. It is mandatory. But as they grow, even at three years old, we can take them to Scripture. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says to treat your friend like you want to be treated. Because it, it says to share with others. Whatever. Take them to the Bible. And there's no better advice for any situation that we face in life than the Bible. Even for teenagers. I know sometimes that teenagers ask really hard questions about life. Let's take them to the Word. I say the number one thing that we can do to lay the foundation for a strong home is to train our children 
to lean on the word for advice, for direction in life. So let's look at building that foundation. Let's go to Colossians 3, verses 1 to 11. And as we read this passage, this is the text for the day. Colossians 3 is the text. As we read this, it applies to all ages. But I wanna, I'm going to talk, be talking basically to the young Christians here this morning for just a little bit. Let's read Colossians 3, verses 1 to 11. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Young people, as you look at that last verse, it doesn't matter any color of skin, any height, how tall, short. It doesn't matter your background. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. But young people, you're working on your foundation as you mature in Christ. As you gain victory over the things, this whole list of things that he talked about right there that we just read, as you gain victory over those things, you are building that foundation. But we all know that becoming a Christian <clears throat> doesn't automatically take those things out of our lives. And that's why Paul says in verse 5 that we're to put those things to death. The more we mortify or put those things to death in our life, the more Christ can fill us and strengthen that foundation of who you are. Strengthen your character. And building a strong foundation is critical if you want a strong, solid home. Now, when we pour a foundation for a house, there's normally an engineered plan, at least in Rockingham County or in Augusta County. There's normally an engineered plan that tells us how wide and how deep we make the foundation, where to put the piers, how much rebar, how many, how, what size of rebar. Well, I would like to compare that to what, to the scripture. That's the next, actually the next scripture we're going to read. Verses 12 to 17 give us God's engineer plan for the foundation of our homes. Now, if we think of Christ as the concrete, we need to add. He says, put on therefore. So we need to add the rebar. So let's look at these verses to see how we can strengthen the foundation of our home. Let's look at verses 12 to 17. Let's read them. Put on therefore. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. <clears throat> and above all these things, 
put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, <clears throat> excuse me, in admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we've already dug the foundation in our lives. We've gotten rid, got all the dirt out, all the sin, the things that we're working on. We, we're continually working on that in your lives. And to you young Christians, that's not once and done. Us old guys are still sometimes working on digging stuff out that needs to be filled back in with Christ. But I want you to notice something, <clears throat> especially if you feel like you're an immature Christian. In verse 12, Paul refers to them as holy and beloved elect of God. So they were holy and beloved and elect of God, but they still needed these qualities. They needed to be putting these things on in their lives. They were immature Christians. They were people just like you and I that needed to add into their lives these qualities he talked about. They needed to grow up. They needed to mature. So it doesn't matter how old or young we are, how mature we are in Christ, there's an area in, these, in this list of verses that we need to be adding to our foundation. We need to be strengthening ourselves, working on, putting on these things. <clears throat> So let's look at this list of things to see what we need to be adding to our foundation. Verse 12, we see mercy that comes from our heart. We see kindness, humbleness of mind, <clears throat> sorry, meekness, and long-suffering. Then in verse 13, there's forbearance, forgiveness. In verse 14, we find charity and love. Verse 15, we need to let God's peace rule in our hearts. And then we need to be thankful for what it does there. Verse 16, knowledge of the word. There's wisdom. There's learning how to teach. We need to learn to be willing to admonish. And verse 17, doing everything in Jesus' name and living in thankfulness to God. So as we look at that list we all can see something that we need to be working on to reinforce the foundation of Christ in our lives. Therefore, also reinforcing the foundation of our homes. Young people, the stronger you build the foundation of your life before your home starts, the stronger and more secure your home will eventually be. I know it's hard to think of the fact that you're building your home now, but you are by giving your life to Christ and surrendering it more fully to him. <clears throat> so the foundation, I drop. Oh, there it is. My marker keeps getting away from me. So our foundation is Jesus Christ. So what's the next part of a home? When we build a house, what's the next part? Well, this isn't really part of the home, but it is. A godly home is a young man and a young woman leaving their homes and making a new one. 
<clears throat> so we're going to have a lady leaving her home and a young man leaving his home. Vitally important step if you want a strong Christian home. You are a new unit in Christ. You are one in Christ. And it is a new home. It's a biblical principle we could go into that we're not going to um, delve into deeply this morning. But a basic house structure has three parts. We have a foundation, then we have the walls, and then we have the roof. Each part plays a vital role in the, in the integrity and the strength of that house. <clears throat> now, we've already laid the foundation. It's Jesus Christ. Next, we want to frame the walls. Let's look at verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Or, I'll pray, paraphrase that. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as much as you can and still serve the Lord. Because there are husbands that ask things of their wives that God does not permit. In that case, you follow the Lord, you don't follow your husband. But other than that, outside of that, outside of sin... Submitting to your husband is important. And I want to compare you, wives, to the walls of a house. Now please, ladies, don't be insult insulted before you hear me out. So we're going to draw walls on the house. I have a door... Have a nice bay window in the front. And because we're talking about ladies, we're going to add some curtains. So, how is a wife a wall? Well, ladies, you may not realize it, but you are the supporting structure of your home. You shield your children from many dangers, both physically and spiritually. And you hold your husbands up. And you let them fulfill their duty as a protector of the home. But you're called in verse 18 to submit. Now, many women do not like that word, the word submit, and understandably so. Submission has often been misused. When submission is used as a tool to control, it is no more biblical submission we could call it slavery. The submission he's talking about here is accepting your role that God called you to. It is a beautiful thing. It's embracing who God wants you to be. It's embracing your place in God's plan. The place God has called you to in his home design. You're not the roof. You're the wall. Think of it that way. You're the ones that bring warmth to your home by keeping the cold out and the warmth inside. You're the windows through which your children will see the outside world. And they'll, through you, primarily, especially at a very young age, they will learn to understand life through the window of who you are. It's behind you that your children will hide when the storms get rough outside. Your beauty and character control to a large degree what your home feels like. 
You hold the power to make your home inviting, warm and beautiful, or cold, dark and harsh. Primarily, it comes from a mother. There's been homes that have had a very harsh and unloving father, but a very warm and caring mother, and the home still felt warm to the children because of what the mother does. But ladies, God did not create you to be the protector of the home. You are a shield from some things, just like the walls keep out the wind. But the home with only walls has very little actual protection. Now there are circumstances where for one reason or another, either the father or the mother is missing from the home. In those cases, God does provide that missing link. But it's not his perfect plan. We're talking about God's design for a godly home this morning. So we have the foundation, Jesus Christ, and we have the walls. It's the wife. Third part of the home is the roof. Verse 19, let's read it. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I want to compare us as husbands to the roof of a home this morning. So husbands, we're the protectors. How do we go about being protectors of our home? You see, in life, there's a lot of things that get thrown at us, at our families. This is a storm cloud. There's hail. Rain. This is sunshine. Represents the heat and stress. We're just going to write in there harsh elements. We as husbands are the protectors of our home in many ways. But you can see, if, of course, all illustrations break down, but the husband primarily takes the stress of protecting the home. But he says, how do you do that? He starts with love your wife. Now, God means that. Love your wife. I know to you unmarried people, as you think of, of getting married someday, that seems easy. And that seems like, well, of course. But there's a reason Paul commanded it. There's a lot of marriages that the husband and wife do not truly love each other. He says in Ephesians 5.25, to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. To love your wife means to be attached or fastened to her. To be connected spiritually, emotionally, and when we set trusses on a home, we set the trusses on the walls, and we take big nails and we drive them through at opposing angles, and then we'll go inside and we put hurricane clips on them. And when we're done, it takes an act of God to rip those trusses, rip that roof off those walls. That's the way our marriages should be. It should take an act of God to separate husband and wife, an act of death should be the only thing that separates them. 
But not only is the roof connected to the walls, it protects the walls and those within the house. Now, a roof is almost worthless without supporting walls. You've all seen it where an old barn collapses and it's just an old roof sitting out there in the field. I mean, a chicken could get underneath, I guess, but it's pretty much worthless. That's a home. That's what a home is like without a wife supporting her husband the way God called her to, submitting to her role. The roof is a barrier from the elements. Yes, the walls protect the house somewhat, but the roof is a main protection from the weather. Men, Christ set us an example. He took the worst beating for his church that it was possible for humanity to take. We are called to follow that example. If we don't do our job of protecting a home from the harshest elements, those walls that are supporting us will start to rot from the elements that we are letting in. So how do we go about protecting our homes? So you think about what's going on around us today. Fathers, it's our responsibility to keep the bad stuff out. We're the ones that should be guarding our homes against the dangers of technology, social media, bad friends, ungodly influences of all kinds. And the list goes on. Every family faces slightly different pressures in life because of where God's placed them. Sure, our wives help us. Sometimes they have a better insight into a child's life and what they're facing than the men do. But it's primarily our responsibility to protect them. God's called us to love our wives and our homes so much that we'll do anything to protect them, just like Christ did for the church. He finishes verse 19 with these words, and be not bitter against them. Now, why would Paul write that? Why would men be bitter against their wives? Because he knew it was a problem. Paul wrote that because it was a problem in the church then. A better translation might be, do not be harsh towards them. And wouldn't it be foolish for the roof of a house to reach down and chop away at the walls that are holding it up? Men, when we are harsh, irritable, loud, insulting, lazy, overbearing, or demanding... That's a whole list. But it's all things that men struggle with. When we are those things, towards our wives especially, we are chopping away at the very wall that supports us. And Paul is saying, don't do that. Love them. Be as kind and loving and self-sacrificing to our wives as Christ was to the church. He suffered and died for the church. Will we do that for our wives and our families? It's a tall order. So we have the basic structure of a home. We have the foundation, it's Jesus Christ. We have the walls, it's the wife. And we have the roof, the protector, it's the husband. So what fills the home with life? With light. Now God has not blessed every home with biological children. But I want to say, in God's design, children fill a home with light. But even in homes without biological children, I've seen over and over how that God still uses that home to bless those around them. Children are not required to have a godly home. 
but to intentionally choose not to have children is like intentionally choosing to not allow God to create life and light where he wants to. Let's read verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Children, light up a house by their obedience. Children, I want to talk to you for just a little bit. God has been working in your parents' lives to give you a home where you are safe. You're protected from the bad, scary stuff that's going on in the world around you. What you need to do to help your parents is to obey them. They may not be perfect, and I don't know of a single parent that is. But I'm pretty sure that they are trying to raise you the way God wants you to be raised. Being obedient to them is very important and will help them be a protector to you. It's so important that it says it makes God happy when you are obedient. Children, obey your parents. And when you do, you're like the lights in a house. I'm going to try to draw light coming out of these windows. Hope you get the picture. Children's imagination, fun and laughter, energy, fill a home with light. It makes it inviting. So children, you make your home shine. When the world sees children that are happy and obedient, it is noticed. Over and over, we've been told that in our family. I've heard that about other families. When you see a mother walking through a store with several children that are happy, you can see it in their eyes, they're obedient, and they enjoy being together. That is rare. And it is what God, it's how God designed it to be. People notice, especially quiet, obedient children. The norm is not that anymore. You go to Walmart and you're there long, you don't, it doesn't take long to realize that, yeah, that's not the norm anymore. The way our children obey and respect makes the world take notice. It is a high calling to raise our children right. Paul gives us another home-building command. Let's read verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know, we can turn them lights off in that house pretty easy as fathers. We can flip a switch. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. God's goal for the home is to raise and train the next generation to follow him. And we as fathers can destroy all that God has designed the home to be if we're harsh and demanding towards our children. And children quite often view God through the lens of their dad. Not always, but often. If the father's harsh and demanding, that's sort of how children will see God. If the dad does not lovingly discipline and teach the children accountability for their actions, well, that's kind of how they're going to see God. Remember, disciplining starts at a very, very young age. 
Fathers, it is vitally important that we take our responsibility seriously. That we have a relationship with God to the point that we accurately portray to our children who God is. And that He loves them. He loves them enough to bring things into their lives to help them. We do that for our children. That's what God does for us. And if you think about that harsh father that drives, that he's talking about here, that provokes their children to anger and discourages them, a child that is made bitter by a harsh parent will seldom turn to God. It's not an impossibility. But we bear a huge responsibility to walk the line of love and discipline for our children that we should as godly fathers. The final advice for building our homes is found in verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. We are called to pour our energies into this home building process. Into building a home by God's design. We are not raising our families to impress our neighbors. We're not raising them to look good to other people. We are raising them to honor God. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, both inside the house when the doors are shut and nobody hears what's going on, and when we're in public. The world notices. How we raise our families is most likely the most effective impact that we will have on future generations and on the world around us. Let's read verse 24 yet. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You are raising the future church. You are raising Christ's inheritance. To me, that, that puts a lot more responsibility on my shoulders when I realize that our homes are where the saints of tomorrow are born and raised, and they are Christ's inheritance. We are raising Christ's inheritance. Are we putting our all into it? Are we doing it by God's home design?